Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath you have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of His name He has power over life and death Every knee will bow and tongue confess Heaven and earth will proclaim That Jesus Christ is Lord the glory of the Father Will you bow? Will you surrender To His majesty? He can save you From the might of all your sin This is the fight in which He stands In perfect victory While you have breath have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ you can find peace in him from the judgment that's to he is a shelter from the coming storm While you have breath 
have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter From the coming storm The storm is not just coming. The storm has already begun to break over America, over the Western world, over Ukraine, over Russia, over China. We are in the great storm that will usher in the Antichrist as we see on every hand the formation of the one-world government, the total control grid being put in place, our days of freedom are very limited, and soon there will be a total destruction of our economy. I believe it to be within, within days. I can remember as a a young boy sitting on the porch of our home, a small little 900-square-foot house, insulbrick, humble. But I can remember sitting on that porch as the storms would come. The sky would darken. The wind would pick up. First it would blow one way, and then suddenly it would change directions, and the wind would blow in the opposite direction. You could hear in the distance thunder rumbling, seeing the flashes of lightning. If you have eyes to see... You can see that lightning flashing over America, and you can hear the thunder rumbling. And then the storm would come, lashing with heavy downpour of rain, the trees bending, even, yea, breaking. The storm is upon us. The wind is blowing You can hear the thunder rolling and the flashes of lightning are blinding. Jesus one day was sitting by the sea. That is the Sea of Galilee. And as he sat there, 
the scriptures tell us that multitudes of people came, bringing the sick, the dying, the diseased, the infirm, the broken, the insane, the demonically possessed. They came, crowds of people. Jesus sat down in one of the fishing boats, pushed off just a bit from shore, and they stood while he sat down, because when you have something important to say in that day, the preacher would sit down and the congregation would stand attentively listening, reaching for his words because they meant healing and restoration. They meant life. He told them a parable. He said, Behold, the one sowing went out to sow. And while he is sowing, some seeds fell on the road, and the birds came and ate them. But what is this sower? Well, they would carry a large bag of seed strapped over one shoulder, coming down to the other side. He would take the seed in his hand, and he would cast it out over the field. And as he would do that, some of the seed fell on the towpath. Towpath was found between the lots of property where he was sowing the seed. It was as when I was a child down along the Shenango River in western Pennsylvania. The towpath ran along the river. It was packed down like cement. We would ride our bikes as fast as we could, dipping down into the little creeks that ran into the river and flying as we cast off the hill onto the other side. Hard ground perfect for riding a bike or for walking. Jesus said some fell on the rocky ground. Some fell on the, on the towpath. So he tells this parable. He's wanting to talk about bearing fruit being productive, not to gain money, but productive for the kingdom of Jesus. Now, after he was finished telling this parable, the disciples approach him, and with the disciples are a few other inside people. And they ask Jesus, why are you speaking to the people in parables? 
Now, this is found in Matthew, the 13th chapter. I'll begin reading for you at verse 11. And having answered, he said to them, It has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him it will be given, and he will be given abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. For this reason I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. This is a terrifying statement. He's speaking here today, I believe, to the professional Christians. The professional Christians who do not know the secrets of the kingdom of God, it's not been given to them. I listened last night to a very erudite pastor as this pastor spoke of the wonderful miracle of, of Ruth coming to Israel out of this wicked Moabite nation. And this person, this pastor was saying that Boaz was the kinsman redeemer. And that's true. But this pastor went on to say that the kinsman redeemer redeemed Ruth without ever asking her to go back and deal with her past, but simply offered her a new way of life to marry her, to make her his. And that Jesus comes and he offers us a new way of life. He is our kinsman redeemer. And then this pastor stopped there. Had this pastor told us the truth? No. This pastor, in their very erudite manner, had just spoken to professional Christians who believe that they are saved in the midst of their sin, teaching that there was a constant tension between the old man of sin that dwells, he, he said, in us, and the new person of Jesus Christ in us, and that these two have a constant tension and constant battle that we have to deal with. But not to worry, we are loved unconditionally by God, and so we will win this battle, and we are saved. What this pastor is doing is making professional Christians. But there are mysteries of the kingdom of God that this pastor totally avoided speaking of. It's those 
miracle mysteries of God that we're going to address this week. The first mystery of God, the mystery of how the kingdom functions, is to say that whoever has, to him will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. So the person who says, I'm saved, I love Jesus, Jesus loves me, I'm on my way to heaven, everything is fine, but they don't understand the mystery of the gospel of Jesus. They've simply joined the institutional church with its wonderful message that Jesus loves you, and he does. but they have neglected to say that the little bit you have will not take you through to heaven. I say that again. The little bit that you have will not take you through to heaven. There is a mystery that we must understand. I'm going to Leave Matthew for just a moment. And I want to go to the book of Romans. And I'm going to read for you a very troubling passage of Scripture. I'm going to read the context so that you get the full import of what I'm going to say to you. What, what then shall we say? Continue in sin so that grace may become more and more? In the strongest possible terms, Paul says, certainly not. We who died to sin, how shall we live in it? Or are you ignorant? As many were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. Oh, it's not just a matter of getting married to Jesus. It's going into his death. There's no marriage without the death. Really, we were buried together with him by the means of baptism into the death that just as Christ was raised out from among dead men by the glory of the Father, so also we may walk around in newness of life. For if we were, if we have become united in the similarity of his death, then we shall also be united in the similarity of his resurrection. There is always first a death before the resurrection. And I go back to the story of Ruth. Ruth's husband died. And in a very real sense, Ruth died. And she left her homeland, her parents, her family. She journeyed with her mother-in-law, Naomi, to find her new place, her new home, 
new life in Israel, in the God of heaven. Ruth said, wherever you die, I'll die. Your God will be my God. It's the same process now. For the Christian, leaving his life, her life, behind, going to a new place. Now, please, I'm not speaking metaphorically. I'm speaking literally. When you come to Jesus, you must move out of your old life, and you must go to a whole new life. You don't attach this wicked soul to Jesus Christ. Either this body experiences in the spirit the full death and then the full resurrection, there will be no benefit to a kinsman redeemer. Now, I want to go on. For if this is verse 5, this is Romans 6, verse 5. For if we have become united in the similarity of his death, his death was crucifixion. He died. We too, if we're going to come to Jesus, must die. Professional Christians don't want to die. Professional Christians want to add a beautiful Savior to an already full life. They want a super life now. But the call is to death. Then we shall also be united in the similarity of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed, annihilated, that we not hereafter serve sin, for the one having died has been freed from sin. I heard a a man speaking about this issue. And he said, I don't believe that the old man can ever be put to death. I believe the scriptures are clear that the old man is going to continue with us until the very end of the age. I didn't counter him strongly, but I let him know that I disagree with that position. But for me, it's not simply an intellectual argument about whether the old man of sin lives on in the heart of a Christian or if it dies as it's crucified. It is a literal situation. And so a day or so later, this same person was speaking with me, speaking about their fear of revival. He's a married man. He said, I am very concerned and very fearful of being involved in anything called revival because I know that many beautiful young women will come to that revival. And this will be a very vulnerable time for them. And I'm concerned that I will become sexually involved with these young women. What? Really? In other words, this young man says, I'm a Christian. I'm not living in any known sin. I'm clean before God. 
but the old man dwells in me. And I think he may overcome me, and I may be tempted, and I will fall, and I will seduce some of these young women, and I'll be cast into hell. Well, he's right. If he does that, he will be lost for eternity. But the problem comes that he would even suspect himself. Now, I don't trust myself, but I'll tell you what I do. I do trust Jesus Christ to keep me in righteousness and in holiness before his throne. The old man of sin has been crucified in my life. I don't walk with that old man of sin. It's been annihilated in me. It's been destroyed in me. And in the professional Christian, it has not been annihilated. And so the person comes to Jesus and says, yes, I love Jesus. But they still give way constantly to the wickedness of their old sinning flesh. That tells me they're in deep trouble with God, with Jesus. That's why it says, It has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him it will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Why? Because he's not willing to be fully crucified with Christ. The professional Christian does not want to be fully crucified with Christ. He wants to live his life. He wants his fun. He wants his entertainment. He wants... He wants the uncleanness of his own mind. He wants his masturbation, or he wants his pornography, or he wants the lust of money to be fulfilled in his life. He wants the stuff. He wants to be recognized. He wants to be somebody. And because of that, The mystery of the kingdom of God is that even the so-called religion that they have will be taken from them and they will end up empty and with nothing of Jesus. Now, I'm concerned about this because I believe I'm speaking to some of you who are in that position. And even what you have is going to be taken from you in this storm that is now breaking upon us. And you're going to end up with nothing. Why? Because you would not be crucified with Christ. Verse 13, this is Matthew 13, verse 13. For this reason I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. The one saying, by hearing, you will hear. But you may never understand. And while seeing, you will see. But may never perceive. For the heart of this people was made dull. 
It's like a veil over their eyes. With their ears, they heard with difficulty, and they closed their eyes, lest they may see with the eyes and may hear with the ears and may understand with the heart and may turn, and I will heal them. No, they don't want to turn and be healed. I was preaching in an Anglican church, a revival sermon. And there were men, middle-aged men, sitting in the back row. As I began to talk about the entertainment of this age and how they must turn from it and stop spending hours in front of the television set watching the football games or going here and there, driving here and there, buying the expensive tickets and buying all of the whole deal. They were nudging each other and laughing with one another at what I was saying. They did not like it at all. Why? Because their hearts were dull. They could not comprehend that this man of sin that dwells in them, they don't just have to keep it on a leash and control it because it'll keep getting out. One person said to me, it's not a matter of what is right or wrong. It's a matter of what is evil, sin, and what is righteous. When we look at something like a football game and say, is it wrong to go to a football game? One man said to me, Pastor, my son was listening to you as you were speaking about the entertainment. And he said to me, Dad, can that preacher really mean that it's sinful to go to a football game? He said, you didn't mean that, did you? Yes, I did mean that. Well, that's crazy. I'm going tomorrow to a football game. I've already got the tickets. They're very expensive. I said, then you're sinning against God. He cut me off and disappeared, and I haven't heard from him again. That man's ears are dull. His heart is dull. He's a professional Christian. With the eyes, with the ears they heard, and with difficulty, and they closed their eyes, lest they may see with their eyes, and may hear with their ears, and may understand with the heart, and may turn, and I will heal them. In other words, we have to be very clear. We're not in this world for the world. The world, the flesh, and the devil have to be utterly excised, cut off. Paul is saying, Romans, the sixth chapter, you have to be crucified with Christ. And involved in that crucifixion is the cutting off of all of those idols that have held first place in our hearts. It may be your love of money. <laughs> One man whom I dearly love, I've spent many hours 
ministering to him, but he still holds the position that he wants lots of money. He wants to be a, a millionaire many times over. He wants to be a billionaire. And he said, then I can fund the work of the gospel. No, thank you. Jesus doesn't need that kind of money. Don't come from the idol of Baal and bring your offering you gained at Baal's altar and try to offer it to the living God of heaven. No, Jesus will move in the hearts of those he desires to have pay for his work of the gospel. It will be in a person who recognizes that they must hear the word of the living God straight and clean, and they must hear with with arrows of conviction in their heart that they must turn from their wicked ways, that they can no longer play patsy with this evil nature that we received when we were born into this world. We're no longer children of Adam. We are children of Jesus Christ. He is our kinsman redeemer. He is our family. And he has brought us out of darkness into the light. But it means a radical transformation of how we spend our time, our energy, our money. It changes what we talk about. It changes the way we dress. It changes everything about us. The old is gone. It's cut off. It's dead. It's buried. And we now are new in Jesus Christ. And the old demonic bindings of alcohol, of tobacco, drugs, lust for money, lust for for sex, the desire to be somebody, the desire to be the best, all of that is gone in the old man. And we're now new creatures in Christ Jesus. But many of you are sitting right in the middle. You're not new. You're not old. You're just a professional Christian. You show up in church or you don't even go to church. You just say, you know, I'll watch it on the Internet. And I'm doing my best to be a good person. You're a professional Christian. You're not a real Christian. Because you've not been crucified with Jesus Christ. The old man is still alive in you. It has to go. It has to be cut off. Now he goes on. Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see, but they saw not. And to hear what you hear, but they heard not. Now, you must hear the parable of the sower. Anyone hearing the word of the kingdom, but not understanding it, the evil one comes and snatches away the seed 
having been sown in the heart. This is the seed having been sown by the road. In other words, um, if you look at Luke and you look at Matthew, they both, all three, say the same thing. That the devil comes and snatches away what was planted in your heart. It it depends on how you respond to the seed that, that I'm planting in your heart today. You are the soil. And what kind of soil are you going to be? I was sitting in Pastor David Wilkerson's office some years ago. He was my father in the faith. We were talking about a sermon that he had just preached on the soils. And he said, Brother Ray, nothing troubles me more than that the devil can come and steal a sermon out of the heart of one of the people who sit in my congregation. I said, I understand. That's the greatest pain of my heart to see the word of God stolen out of the hearts of those who have come to church to listen to the word. But they didn't really come to listen to the word, did they? He said, I believe that the devil has the right to come and steal the word out of their heart because they have walked this way so many times and have utterly refused to change their lives that Satan can come and steal it because it can't take root in their hearts. This has been the great anguish and pain of my heart all my life. I didn't understand it. It was, it almost caused me to leave the ministry. I took seriously that I was to come and preach an honest word to the congregation. And so that's what I did as a new young pastor. And when I saw how worthless that was, I was seduced. into more of the prosperity gospel where people just wanted strategies for how they could have a more successful and happy life. But finally, I came to a point where I said, I'm not pleasing the Lord. And I began to pray. And I withdrew from public ministry for seven years. During that time, I lost everything. I lost my retirement. I lost my car. I lost my house. I lost my savings. I lost everything, but not Jesus. My wife and I walked through that very painful and difficult time, both of us desperately, daily searching the scriptures and crying out to God. He provided a home with a precious non-Christian family, and we lived with them. And I came back to the understanding that I must preach holiness and righteousness and rebuke sin. But I tell you today, 
I see very slow growth on the part of many of you who listen to this broadcast. I come and preach. Some of you have grabbed a hold of this word and you have earnestly sought after Jesus and you have found him and your life has been transformed. You've been set free of alcohol, of drugs, of pornography. You have been washed and cleansed and you're walking in Jesus Christ in great victory with joy and happiness But many of you who've been listening to this broadcast are just the same old, same old. You're not changing. Your life is staying the same. You're still the professional Christian who at the end is going to lose everything and be cast out into the darkness. And that causes me great heartburn. Because I do love you. I do pray for you. I pray for this city. I was up early in my prayer closet, standing on Mark 11, on the promise of God, claiming revival for America and for Washington, D.C. Believing in God that he will Speak a word that will break through the wickedness of our day. That he would raise up a standard of righteousness in America. But that looks like a total change in your life. Because you're listening. It means a total change. Has that change occurred yet in your life? Or have you just said, oh, I I love Jesus. And I'll listen to Pastor Ray every once in a while just to check in and see what he's saying. I won't stay long. I'm busy. I I have things I have to do. I don't want to listen to this preacher for an hour. Doesn't he know we don't listen that long? Oh, I see. I understand. But I'm coming today to tell you that soon in this storm that is breaking in America, even as I'm speaking to you, you are going to be swept away with the crowds because you have not sought after Jesus with all of your heart. You're backslidden. You're doing things you know are wrong. You're going places that you know are wicked. You're still lusting after money. You're still struggling. My brother, my sister, we've got to come to terms with Jesus. The devil will come and steal this word I've spoken to you out of your heart. And you will go on about your daily behavior and your daily activities. And you won't give it a second thought. And the devil will have stolen the seed from your heart. And the day will come 
when the Lord will say, take even what they have away from them and they will have nothing and they will be totally committed to their secular wicked life. Are you concerned about yourself and your family? Are you spending time searching the scriptures? I urge you, read First John, all five chapters, in one sitting. Read Romans, the sixth chapter. Read the Gospels on your knees before Jesus. Search his word. Let that seed come alive in you. Let the Holy Spirit convict you. Stop your self-condemnation and your self-judgment and get to Jesus and ask for the full crucifixion to be done in your life and the full resurrection to be brought forth in your heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I am desperately concerned today about those professional Christians who believe they're on the way to heaven, but they live like children of darkness. They love the television. They love the internet. They love the entertainment of our day. They love the new business opportunity. They love their sexual uncleanness. Oh, Lord. They love to gossip and chit-chat and be laid back and casual. They love their food. Lord, I know you're coming in the clouds of glory. And I know you're going to say, that's a professional Christian. Take what they have and give it to someone else and they will have nothing. For they don't have the hunger or the desire to be crucified and to be resurrected and to be made into a new creature. They just want the same old, same old. They want the emotional comfort of their, of their religion. But it's a false religion. It's, it's uncovered when you begin to share with us the mysteries of the kingdom of God. When you begin to let us know that when the seed no longer brings changes in our lives, we're in trouble. We're lazy. We're walking in darkness. Lord, I come today pleading your mercy for your people. I come pleading that you would move with great conviction, causing tears to flow, cries of of repentance before you, almighty Jesus. I'm asking for the power of the Holy Spirit to come 
and unveil our eyes and open our ears and let us turn and be healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, this whole American church is going to be swept away if you do not come and bring a revival of godliness, of righteousness, of holiness back into the church. So many, Lord, bought into the lie that the old man is still in them and they're still playing with him and they're still walking in sin and they're saying, but I'm saved in my sin. Lord, would you show them that if they're in their sin, they are lost and headed to hell, that they must be overcomers, that they must put down that wicked man of sin that dwells so freely in their hearts, lusting for the things of the world, to be important, to be somebody, to be to be beautiful, to have all the right things, to to have the money, to have the cars, to have the lifestyle. Lord God, would you come and convict your people and sinners that they must turn and repent or they will not be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Lord, it's not a complicated message. It's very simple. Sin and you will die. For you said the wages of sin are death. It's the same today as it was for Adam and Eve. You said if you eat from that tree, you shall surely die. And they ate from it and they did die. And today the same is true. If we do not accept the cross and the crucifixion and die to everything about our life and our desires and our wants and give ourselves wholly into your hands, there will be no redemption for us, for our kinsman redeemer will not cover a wicked man or woman but he must repent and turn from his sin and be made into a new creature. Lord, it's not right or wrong that can be fudged here and there, compromised. Lord, it's either righteousness or evil, righteousness or sin. Lord, would you come today? Would you bring a change of behavior to the men and women listening to this broadcast today, right now? I'm asking for revival in this nation, in this capital, on the YouTube and on the radio broadcast that both are going out, Lord, I ask for that redemption now in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. 
Well, I'd like to hear from you. You can write to me, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'm Pastor Ray, and I know that many of you belong at the National Prayer Chapel, but because of the hardness of your heart and the lust of your heart, you've never come. I'm asking, will you plan to come this coming Sunday? Our service begins at 10. We begin praying at 9.45. I invite you to come. You can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, National prayerchapel.com You can give online or you can write Pastor Ray Greenley National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 I really would like to hear from you. Thank you, Tom. And thank you for the many others who've been sending beautiful Christmas cards, who have been giving so kindly to keep this broadcast on the air. 